0: Life gives you lemons. Hey, yeah, make lemonade, right? You're supposed to make lemonade when life gives you lemons, right? The whole idea is that when you have a, a bad situation, you're just supposed to make the best of it. Now, whatever it is, just, just make the best of it. But a bad situation will get even worse if you forget to put the sugar inside of the lemonade that you're making, right? Okay, Just be sure you use the sugar. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not a big lemonade guy, you know. So I, I wish the phrase was different, you know. I'm, I'm voting that we change it, you know. Why can't it be when life gives you lemons, you know, you make lemon meringue pie, you know, or, or lemon cream cheese bars, or, or lemon cheesecake, you know. I mean, those are, those are much better options for me, uh, things to think through. We've heard when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. We've also heard some other stuff, right. There's some other phrases out there. Uh, things like, you know what, you just got to go with the flow. Things like, you know, when, when all said and done, you know, you just got to play with the cards that you're dealt, you know. Well, everything will work out in the end. Well, well everything happens for a reason. Every cloud, you know, it's, it's got a silver lining. And then, of course, the all-important, stop thinking, let things happen, and just be the ball. That's definitely the philosophies of life, right? But... A catchy slogan, is is that really what you're looking for? I mean, the hard moments of life is is a catchy slogan what we long for. When we wake up in the panic of a nightmare, do we really just want a glass of lemonade to calm us down? When we're sitting at our desk at work or at school, when we're sitting in the emergency room, when we're standing at a service at a graveside cemetery, do we really want just, well, you know, everything happens for a reason? See, our souls were, were created with a longing for something more than just catchy slogans on bumper stickers, just catchy memes on social media, just catchy phrases on a cross-stitched throw pillow. See, our souls were created for more. And what is this more? Well, let's see if we can find out. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the Apostle Paul is writing to some folks in ancient Rome, and he says this, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, somebody might immediately say, wait a minute, that's, that's just the Christian way of saying everything happens for a reason. Okay, fair enough. It does sound like that at first glance. But it's not. It's completely and totally different. So let's unpack this just a little bit. Paul writes, and we know that God. When it comes to the lemons in life, you need to know God. You don't need to know about God, you need to know God. And what God do you need to know? You need to know the God of the Bible. The God who is known as the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Yahweh, Jehovah. You need to know the the God who was the God of historical men like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The God who was and is the God of historical women like Esther and Mary and Lydia. The God who is the God of the prophet Isaiah who lived about 2,700 years ago. And God made sure that the prophet Isaiah wrote the following words down so that we would hear them and, and see them and know them. Isaiah 41, verse 4. Who has performed and accomplished it, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, am the first, and with the last, I am He. Consider the, the greatest leaders that have ever lived. Kings, queens, presidents. Generals, scientists, teachers, CEOs, athletes, entertainers, fathers, mothers, preachers, and anybody you can think of. The greatest leaders that have ever lived. Accomplish significant things that are still impacting the world today, but the greatest leaders that ever lived Not a one of them could say casually at a dinner party You know, I called forth the first generation of people who ever lived on the planet They can't say that And there's no leader of all the greatest leaders that can say, you know when it comes to creation when it comes to humanity I was the first on the scene and i'll be the last on the scene They can't say that. Why? Because every great leader that has ever lived, every great leader that will ever live, has two things as part of their life. They have a date that they were born and they have a date that they will die. And so when it comes to our souls finding satisfaction... When the suffering of life comes, when the difficulty of life comes, when the shame and the hurt and the pain of life comes, we cannot find in our souls ultimate satisfaction in human beings. It's not possible. If our souls are going to be satisfied, we have to know God. We have to know the one true God. J.I. Packer says this Knowing God is the most practical project anyone can engage in. Knowing about God is crucially important for living our lives. Disregard the study of God, and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through this life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. Ever been there? Ever? Ever been struggling with a sense of direction? Ever been involved in the big things of life? You know, where where to go to college or where to have a job, who to marry, what to do about the surgery, what to do about kids, what to do about money, you know, the big things in life. Ever been in the middle of the big things in life and you didn't know what to do? You're struggling with some direction, struggling with how to make decisions? Packer goes on once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. How how is that possible? How is it possible that just knowing God causes most of the problems of life to just kind of fall into place? Well, Paul tells us. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. For good. So knowing God gives direction. Knowing God feeds our decision-making. Knowing God creates hope, maintains hope, and sustains hope. Knowing God establishes peace. And knowing God helps for all the things in life to, to kind of fall into place. Now, I'm no genius, but that sounds like a good thing. It sounds like a good thing that, that you would know God, and knowing God helps things fall into place, especially the problems of life. The picture here is that, that knowing God means that, that you are able to have and to hold and to enjoy the kind of peace and the kind of hope and the kind of confidence That will help your soul when you jerk awake in the middle of a nightmare. To know God means to to have and to hold and to enjoy the kind of peace and the kind of hope and the kind of confidence that will calm your mind when some jerk cuts you off in traffic and wrecks your car. To know God means to have and to hold and to enjoy the kind of peace and the kind of hope and the kind of confidence that will comfort your heart when your body begins to shake and jerk as a side effect of the medicine. See, knowing God is, is not just this thing, it's this thing that impacts your life. It's what it means to know him. It's, it's the most important thing. So if, if that's what it means to know God, man, how in the world can we know him, right? Right? If there's that much good in knowing God, how can we get to know Him? Well, there's only one way. Peter said it this way, 1 Peter three eighteen. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that He might bring us to God. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was without sin. I am not perfect. I am not without sin. Sorry if you don't already know this. You are not perfect and you are not without sin. Sin does something to our souls. It corrupts our souls. It contaminates our souls. It causes our souls to be defective and dead. Imagine you're standing in a in a courtroom before a judge. And you're there on charges of embezzling millions of dollars from the company you work for. And there's a 500-page a book that shows all of the clear evidence that you did it. And you're standing in front of the judge, and you say, Judge, you know, I, why don't you just let me go? <laughs> and the judge says, well, you know, why should I do that? Well, look, I, I know I did this thing Wrong. Okay, I'll give you that. But you know, generally speaking, I'm not a bad guy. And the judge says, have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? They're in the Bible. You you can go find a Bible and read them. I'll give you 30 days. If you can go find me someone who has perfectly kept every single one of those Ten Commandments, every second of their entire life, you bring them back here and I'll let you go free. You know what's going to (laughs) happen? You ain't going to find nobody. See, every single person that has ever lived, every single person that will ever live is not perfect and is not without sin. But Jesus was not just a person. Jesus is God. And so Jesus, by his very nature and character, is perfect and without sin. And Jesus came from heaven to earth And while he was on this earth, he was perfect and without sin. And so Jesus on the cross substituted his perfect self for the penalty of my sin and for your sin. Why? Why would Jesus substitute his perfect innocent self for our guilty selves? Well, he did that ultimately to glorify God. But he did that so that you would have a way to no longer be separated from God. Jesus did that because it's the only way for you to be saved. Jesus did that because it's the only way for you to be brought near to God. Near to the one true God who says that when it comes to the existence of the universe, he's the first one on the scene. He was before the scene and he'll be the last one on the scene. See, being brought near to God changes things. In fact, it changes everything. Being brought safe to God changes everything. Because when you are brought near to God through Jesus, here's what happens. God becomes for you. God is for you. And if the one true God of the universe is for you, guess what? That kind of helps life's problems fall into place. When the king of the universe is for you, all of a sudden some things begin to make a little more sense. And so we would say this to you. We we plead with you with, with passion and joy and grace that you would surrender and come to Jesus so that you might be brought near to God. And why would you want to do that? Paul tells us, right? And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. All things. How many things is that? 90%? 75%? All things on Sundays, all things on Wednesdays, all things at Christmas and Easter? Or is is all things, all things, all the time, no matter what happens in the universe? That's that one. All things means all things. There's, There's no exceptions. J. Vernon McGee said this, All things, good and bad, bright and dark, sweet and bitter, easy and hard, happy and sad, prosperity and poverty, health and sickness, calm and storm, comfort and suffering, life and death. All things. Now, if we're honest, that that makes us a little bit uncomfortable, right? I mean, listen to some of these words again. Dark, bitter, hard, sad, poverty, Sickness, storm, suffering, death. And Paul is saying those words are connected to God, and not just that, those words are connected to God, and he says that they're good. Whew. This math is not working, right? I mean, there's something that doesn't sound right about it, it sounds a little bit crazy. At the very least, those those kind of things kind of make us squirm a little bit, right? They might make our hearts and our minds squirm with a little bit of confusion, maybe a little bit of disagreement, some debate, maybe some argument, maybe some anger, maybe some fear. And and if you're squirming a little bit with these thoughts of these bad things and then God and then good and, and we're putting all this together, if you're squirming with that great Great. Feel the burn, love the squirm. Just just eat it up. Because here's the thing, on the other side of the squirm is something fantastic. So just hang in there with the squirm. Let, Let the squirm be okay. So Paul says that all things means all things. And so these all things... Paul says God does something with all of these things. And what does he do? Well, he causes something to happen with them. And what does he cause? Well, he causes them to work together for good. What does that mean? Well, the words that Paul uses here for for work and and together, it it has the idea of of synergy. John MacArthur describes synergy like this. The working together of various elements to produce an effect greater than and often completely different from the sum of each element acting separately. So something greater from from what would happen with all of them separately. So let me put that in hopefully a more practical way. Imagine I invite you over to my house for dinner and I I set a, a plate down in front of you at the table. And on the left side of the plate is a little tiny scoop of baking soda. On the right side of the plate is a little tiny scoop of baking powder. On the top of the plate is a big scoop of flour. And on the bottom of the plate is a big hunk of Crisco right down there. And in the middle of the plate, there's five raw eggs just kind of swimming around. And then off to the right, there's a warm glass of buttermilk. Okay, And I turn to you and say, bon appetit, buddy. Have at it. Now, are you going to dig into that food, or are you going to duck out of my house as fast as you can? You see, those things sitting on that plate, they sound really nasty by themselves. But what if I take those things, and, and then I add some sugar, and I add some vanilla, add some cinnamon, bake it up for a little while, put it on a plate, put some cream cheese frosting on top of it. You might be willing to nibble on it then, right? A little different. What the Bible says about God is that he is the master chef of the universe and that he is able to to take all things and and mix them and prepare them and cause them to work together for good. Now, someone might be offended that, that I just used a cake recipe to try to explain away the horrible moments of your life. Well, I just want you to know that I'm, I'm not in any way trying to explain away the horrible moments of your life. I'm just trying to help you see this God. You know, one of the most loving and most faithful and most honest things that a Christian can say to someone when they come up and say, why did this happen? When somebody comes up to us and says, why, why did this happen? One of the most loving and honest and faithful things that we can say is this. I don't know. I, I don't know. So whatever that moment is in your life, I'm not insulting your pain. I'm not minimizing your suffering with cake recipe. I'm, I'm just... I'm just simply warning us to to be able to see how big and great and majestic and awesome and wonderful and amazing this God is who claims that he was there before the world existed. And he will be there when the world as we know it passes away. This God is great. And I realize that one sermon is not going to answer all the questions of problems with suffering and difficulty in this life. But it is my hope that maybe through one sermon, maybe through one Sunday school lesson, maybe through one morning devotion, maybe talking with a Christian over coffee in a coffee house, that your heart might be stirred to see and know the God of the Bible. Because if that happens, super great, fantastic. Plus, you know, I'm just, I'm simple. You know, the cake recipe is just like, eh, that's just how my mind works, you know. Food and simplicity, that's, that's how I need things to work. So I, I kind of see in, in this recipe that, that that's something that can move me toward the goodness and the grace of God in the middle of the hardest and most unexplainable moments of life. And here's the thing, in the hardest and most unexplainable moments of life, I want to think about the goodness and the grace of God. And I need it. And everything about that cake recipe is completely and totally true. You take all of the stuff, the, the dark things, the bitter things, the hard things, the sad things, the deadly things. You take all of those things and God has always, God is, and God will always be causing those things to work together for good. Now, if you're a Christian, you know that. And you know it's true. But you know what? Sometimes we don't like it. Sometimes we... We, we get a little angry about it. Sometimes we try to push against it. Sometimes we just try to deny it. But in our hearts, because of the gospel, we know that it's true, that, that God is causing all things to work together for good. We know it. We know it's true. But what kind of good are we talking about? Well, not the kind of good that we usually think about. See, our kind of good usually involves us being a little healthier, a little wealthier, and a little wiser. But God's good is, is bigger and different than that. See, our definition of good usually involves a, a lot of comfort and leisure now, and hopefully maybe something that looks like early retirement later. But God's good is, is different. So, so what is it about God's good that we need? And maybe even more so, unless our good matches up with God's good, our good is only good until we die. So at best, you might have something that we might label good until you die, but then that's it. So God's good is is beyond just life. God's good is beyond death. So what's God's good? This is how Jesus said it. John chapter 14, verse 3. I will come again. And receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. God's idea of good is that you would be saved by Jesus, that you would be more like Jesus, and that one day you would be with Jesus. That's God's idea of good. That you would be saved by Jesus, that you would be more like Jesus, and that one day you will be with Jesus. That's, that's good in God's economy. So if you are a Christian, then know that that God is causing all things to work together for you to be saved by Jesus, to be more like Jesus, and to one day be with Jesus. And to be like Jesus and to be with Jesus is the greatest good in the universe. To be saved by Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to one day be with Jesus. That is the bestest good in the universe. You'll never find anything better than that. And so let's take that good and and try to sit it down a little bit in in real life. So what I'm about to read to you is, doesn't have any names, but it is reflections of true people and the true stories of their life and the true reality that they have discovered and that they discovered that God is causing all things to work together for good. Now, we're going to squirm a little bit, but that's all right. Jeff Thomas, pastor of the same church for 50 years, retired uh, recently. He says this, What we are being asked to believe is this. Okay, this is Paul. What Paul's asking us to believe in Romans 8, 28, and really all of his letters and all of the Bible. What we're being asked to believe is this, that for every Christian, every obscene evil that we can imagine is turned by God to our best interest. He goes on. Death, illness, marital strife, vocational problems, persecution because of your belief, your child being diagnosed with an incurable disease, and all these things, God works for our good. Squirming yet? Should be. He goes on. These are real stories, real people, just not the names. I know some of the names. Your back is broken in a diving accident in a lake. God works it for good. Your husband is having an affair. God works it for your good. Your wife wants a divorce. God works it for your good. Squirming now. Here we go. Your sister has been kidnapped. Your job has been terminated. Your car has failed. You did not win the grades you needed to get to university. Your beautiful son was falsely accused and crucified on a cross. (laughs) Something just happened there, right? Well, change in the action. We went from, from hearing the hard things about our life going, no, that's not fair. Stop saying it. To all of a sudden, the one true God of the universe knows exactly what we're thinking. Knows exactly what we're feeling. Because the greatest evil ever actually happened. Jesus, completely perfect, completely innocent, was crucified for my sin and for your sin. Jesus absorbed the, the penalty of the cross, all of our shame, so that we be brought near to God. Why? Was the justice system messed up back then? Did did his case fall through the cracks? No, not at all. No, Jesus loved you and he gave himself up for you on purpose. Jesus loved you and he gave himself up for you to absorb and to take on the charges of your sin. Completely innocent, utterly condemned, brutally crucified. What good could possibly come from something that evil? This. That where I am, you may be also. If you've truly surrendered to Jesus Christ, one day you will be with him. That's the most ultimate good you could possibly have. It's the greatest good that you could possibly have. You will not find anything gooder. That's it. It's all right there. Ray Ortland said this, either all things work together for our good or nothing makes sense. Guess what? <laughs> nothing will still make sense, all right? We'll still have plenty of moments where we will sit there in that moment and we'll go, this doesn't make sense, what's, what's going on here?" But if you are a Christian, there is one thing that will make sense. that there's one thing that will make sense in that moment, and, and this is what it is. If you're a Christian, this is what will make sense. You are a Christian. That's what will make sense. You are in Christ. You have been saved. You've been rescued. You've been redeemed. You once were lost, but now you're found. And no power of hell and no scheme of suffering and no evil woman and no evil man and no evil regime and no evil plan can ever snatch you from God's hand. That will always make sense to someone who is in Christ. Will your suffering feel good? No. Will your pain feel good? No. Should the church start hanging banners out front? Evil is good. No. No. But is God through Jesus Christ? causing all things to work together for those who love him. Yes. A thousand times yes. That can't change because of the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection and the ascension and the return of Jesus. That can't change. It can't. That answer is yes. Yes. Listen again to Paul. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Do do you know that? I mean, do you know that? Is is that a Bible verse? You got it cross-stitched somewhere in the house? Or or do you know it? Is, Is it part of who you are? James Denny was a Scottish minister, died in 1917. He said this, God is ever with us and will not abandon us at last. Do you know that? Do do you know that? Do you know that you are in Christ? If so, then you have the greatest good. That you could ever have in your life. And that greatest good is always working for you. And what is that greatest good? That greatest good is that God will not abandon you at last. Because of Jesus, God will not Abandon you at last. Now I lay me down to sleep with that.